What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. down because it's time for the star seminar and now here are your hosts rabble rouser and danny fenton welcome students to another edition of the star seminar as you know this is a team taught course you have two professors one is myself dr rabble rouser and i am joined as always by the esteemed professor of footballology, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, doctor? I am doing really well. I'm, I'm really excited because this weekend, uh, my wife and I, we're going to go to a play. We're actually going to go to Elf the Musical. And oh, I'm, no. I'm, pre- <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, actually, Elf is, you know, I love Elf. I, I, I'll admit it. Uh, it's, to me, I, so it's one of, it's, it, it's not quite Christmas vacation, but it, it, it's, it's my, second favorite christmas movie but it's one of my favorite comedies um you know i i like will ferrell he i think there's a probably a short list of of favorite uh laugh out loud comedies and uh, will ferrell like talladega nights is a is a is a great uh, to me that's hilarious movie i think uh but i wanted to ask you rabs like because there hasn't been too many recently and i i was starting to think about like when is like the last laugh out loud comedy that you've i mean like what's one of your favorite you know just complete you know great comedy movies that can you i mean can you how far back do you have to go to i have to go back pretty far dude so it, it, i have to go back a long way i i actually really like stand-up comedy i think there's a i have a lot of uh really uh favorite stand-up comics over the years um and i who do make me laugh out loud um i think comedy is based on surprise and one of the things about that is, you know, for, for many years, I was a director, et cetera. And so the sort of structure of comedy is something that I did for years. And so it's, it's very hard for a comedy movie to surprise me and like dumb, gross out comedy doesn't ever surprise or, um, you know, I, and I always see, I always, I always see the jokes coming and things like that. So there are of course moments you see in performances like during Bridesmaids and Melissa McCarthy came on the scene as a, as a, as that sort of like, you know, uh want to be cop you know uh type person in in bridesmaids and you know th- those are kind of fun i think the last movie that honestly made me like laugh out loud uh was a fish called wanda it's that it's been that long it's been a long time but the, but you know i love the pythons and, and i thought you know kevin klein and um uh, uh what's her name um and the movie wanda uh, uh, Jamie Lee curtis 
Yeah, Jimmy Lee Curtis. Thank you. I kept thinking. I kept thinking Jodie Foster. That's not it. She's not funny. No. Um, <laughs> no. So, but you know, you, you wouldn't think that Kevin Klein and and Jamie Lee Curtis could necessarily compete in the same world as those guys, as those zany guys, and and they did. I think they did a really nice job. And and I just thought the 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 sort of uncom the discomfort of the situations kept building and building and building, and and it makes me laugh. Um, and so I think that was probably probably the last one. That's a good choice. I, that's a, I mean, I, you know, I would have pegged you for a Python guy for starters. If you, if somebody would have asked me like, what's what's Rab's going to pick, I would have thought you would have gone deeper. You know, like one, like the, the Holy Grail, or I totally mm-hmm. would have guessed Python. So, Fish Called Wanda, excellent choice. That's a great great story too. A lot of stuff going on too. And that was honestly, I, I wasn't exposed to the Python guys. So, Wanda was actually the first time I'm like, I get a little taste of you know John Cleese and you know. And those guys. Mm-hmm. So that was no great choice, Rab. So I, uh, I uh, su- surprised, but not surprised. But uh, I, I will also say that um, you know you were saying that uh, Christmas Vacation is is one of your favorite comedies, and I will say that um, there's I can't other than I'm not even sure of, of that one. I'm not sure there's a movie with Chevy Chase that I find funny. Yeah, I just don't think he's funny. I uh, I, I enjoyed Funny Farm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, thought, I mean, I, I think, I think, I mean, there's, there's, there's moments in, in some of them. Um, you know, the the first vacation movie has a couple moments, but I, I don't find anything he does funny. So like, there's, you know, there's like zany characters that the family encounters that, that are kind of fun, but when he's on screen, I, 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 I I'm kind of with funny. you. I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I agree. I, I do think like I really liked him and Aykroyd in Spies Like Us. I thought that mm-hmm. was that was entertaining, but yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, there's not a lot of like I didn't really like the the Fletches really didn't do anything, you know. Three Amigos, how you know I, I sort of liked it because he he got got a great cast, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely I had built up expectations for for that. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a good. That's yeah, I I, I agree with you there. But def, I do think Christmas Vacation is so well written. There's so many good jokes, and I mean, of course, it's it's not so much Chevy Chase as it is Cousin Eddie. You know that makes mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. You know, yeah, but Rabs, let's move on to we got it's Green Bay week, so this is uh, it sure is. I know you circled this day on your calendar, you know, when this when this game came out because of the the implications and what this could mean, you know, that with with the Green Bay Packers and, and the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy's revenge game. So why don't you tell everybody what we got going on today? Well, I'll, I'll I first I have to tell you why I circled it on the calendar because as you know every year I like to go to one Cowboys away game and I try like to go to a new stadium. So and I've been very lucky in in recent years. I think I I mean I usually go see them play in Washington almost every year because it's a it's a super quick little train ride or drive down to uh down to Washington and there's never any trouble getting seats <laughs> in in that stadium. Um but in 2016, I, w- I we uh, my buddy and I went to Pittsburgh and saw that great Cowboys at Steelers oh, game. Great uh, it was just fantastic. And then and then uh, last year, uh, my wife and I actually did our leaf peeping tour. And the end of the leaf peeping, we had a long weekend doing that. And, and the end of that was, of course, Cowboys at Patriots. So we so I've had a Whoa, couple of really man. really great games that I've had a chance to to go watch in my uh, away games um, last couple of years. So I always try to go see a new stadium. Um, you know, as soon as that came up. Uh, the time of year was right. Um, the, 
you know, obviously going to Lambeau is, is one of the things that's on every football fan's bucket list. I've never been. And so I had it circled, you know, uh, as soon as the schedule came out. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, going to Lambeau field to see the Cowboys play the Packers this, uh, this, this coming weekend. So I've had it circled for that reason. Um, even, even though the, the kind of shine has fallen off the game because the Packers are clearly not, um, the Packers that we've seen in recent years. Uh, and I think that's both good and bad. You know, I, I, I think the game might not be as good a game, unfortunately, but it also may be a little bit easier to win in Lambeau. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a, a good game. And and my recent uh, history uh, of, of going to games suggests that it's going to be a, a late, you know, a, a candidate for game of the year, because yeah. that's what certainly has happened the last couple, last now, couple of years. Now but, you've got to be a little nervous now. Yeah, I, well, I, I think I think it might it might be a a little closer than than you think because I'm at, I'm going to be in attendance. Um, but listen, the guy the guy who's probably better situated than anybody to help break this down for us is our good friend Justice Makeda, who's uh, the managing editor at our uh, SB Nation uh, Green Bay Packers site, our sister site over there called Acme Packing Company. Um, you know, but one of the things I really like about about his his work is that he's got such a a really strong handle on the larger NFL. He does some sort of, uh, you know, more NFL uh, league wide, uh, you know, research and, and podcasting and, and writing as well. So I think um, he's really well situated to sort of talk about where the Cowboys and Packers fit within the larger landscape uh, of the, uh, of the league. I think he's a great Twitter follow. I've been following for several years. So I'm really, I'm really um, excited to have a chance to chop it up with him. Um, before we do though, real quick, I, I'd love to hear from you. Here we have Cowboys at Packers. Uh, which Cowboys at Packers in in Green Bay at Lambeau or even in Milwaukee? If uh, because they did play you know several games every year in Milwaukee for a few for a stretch there between their championship eras, um, it, it stands out. So obviously we've got the Ice Bowl, we've got the Descotted game, right? So other than those two games, what which which Cowboys at Packers games stand out for you? Yeah, honestly, my memory only. I have a lot of memories of great Cowboy Packer games, but they all seem to. be to be at Texas Stadium or mm -hmm. um, so to be at Lambeau itself the list gets quite smaller so um, I'm actually going to have to probably just go with with most recent memory I mean we've we have only beat them once in the last nine times and so I'm going to be picking that game and that was back in 2016 it was it was the Dak coming coming out game it was the the aha moment for me when everyone asked me like when did you know when did you know you know, because up until then, I'm like, Tony's going to come back. I mean, this is great what Dak's doing, but Tony's going to come back. But it was that game that I became, uh, I, I slowly moved myself over to Team Dak because, I mean, I think he just played fantastic. I mean, there was some stretches. To, I think they, like, scored right before the, the end of the first half. That was just like, this isn't what they normally do. It was just these things. And, and Aaron Rodgers just, he you know, he he would just look like he's dumbfounded out there. Of course, this, that, that was one of those games where it's like, that's kind of, you know, one of the times where it's like, I didn't care for McCarthy. It's like, what is he doing to help this team? And and uh, so uh, that game stands out to me because I think it was it, the significance of, like, how good did it feel to to realize that you are going to have a, a new franchise quarterback for years to come? Because we all knew that the you know, days were numbered for, for Romo, you know, as sad as that is. Um, and we always wonder, well, what's going to happen? Well, what, and, and now we know. I mean, to me, it was that, that Green Bay game that did it for me. So I, I got to choose that one, Rabs. What, what about you? 
I think that's a great one. A couple more things I want to say about that game is remember that that game came immediately after a home game against the Bengals, right? And so the home game against the Bengals was really Zeke's big coming out party. He, he you know, he had, he had, you know, the, both those guys had played reasonably well, but they were both, you know, kind of rookies who were sort of kind of finding their sea legs. And then, um, you know, Zeke just had a monster game against the Bengals, had a, a, a long touchdown where he like uh, got, got into the second level and they were, uh, they had the, the Bengals had split safeties and he just ran out, ran both of them up the middle. I mean, he had, he had the burst he had in that rookie year. Uh, how how did incredible. they not catch him? I, 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 I could still just see that incredible. Play. I mean, they had, they both had, they were both there. I mean, it, you know, he, he, they were 10, 15 yards in front of him and he just like right through the middle and, and outran both of them. It was, it was like, incredible. It was like Pollard juice right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, like Pollard on nitro. It was incredible. And any, at any rate, uh, so we were still coming off the high of that and thinking, all right, well, that's cool. That means we have this, this, you know, this new, this new running game, the new running back, the Cowboys still had a great, great offensive line. And then, and then seven days later, Dak comes out and, and does this, and, you know, Dak had been playing a little closer to the vest. They didn't need to, they didn't need to, for Dak to play great. He was playing well, but they didn't need for him to play great because they were beating teams like San Francisco and Washington who weren't particularly good at that time. Uh, you remember there was an opening opening night loss to the Giants, who were not as good a team as the Cowboys, but um, you know the, the Cowboys weren't really quite ready to play yet. And this was the game where we all went, oh, as you said, oh. And if you remember, like it was during this game that he actually set, I think, a rookie record right. for most passes without throwing an interception. And uh, and it's just like several things happened. You know, as you said, there was that there was that wonderful drive at the end of the half where he completed the drive, I think, with a, like a beautiful touch pass in the corner to uh, to Bryce Butler, you know, and, and we were like, oh, oh, wow, he got in field goal range. That's oh, my God, right. he scored a touchdown. And, you know, they opened up a, they opened up a lead and that they never that they never relinquished. And the last thing is um, they held on to that lead because that was uh, the David. Irving coming out party in the second half where he he kept abusing the, the the Packers right tackle but then he came in inside a couple of times and nobody could stop him and um, he shut down like several drives generated a couple of turnovers he was incredible and the Cowboys ended up winning by a couple of touchdowns that's a great one I actually have another coming out game for you too I'm going to go back into the history books a little bit further to 1991 Cowboys at Packers Jimmy Johnson's young team um, Packers were actually playing in Milwaukee then. Um, as I said earlier, between their championship eras, between 68 and 94, they played a lot of games in Milwaukee until, you know, of course, Lambeau Field uh, used, began to sell out all the time again because they were good. Uh, so this is uh, a Cowboys team that goes in there three and two, I believe. Uh, they'd come off a win over the Giants, but, you know, nobody really knew whether that was, that was you know, a, a legit thing or not. Um, they go in, they go into green Bay, uh, tough, game, but they, they got some, you know, they, they, they generated a couple turnovers and one of them was a long touchdown return by Ray Horton to put them up 20 to, to, to 10, uh, um, Sterling sharp, uh, scored a touchdown late to make it closer, but Cowboys basically, uh, had, had it wrapped up, uh, in the fourth quarter that, that drive was, you know, I mean, drive was. Uh, it made the, the score closer, but um, it was one of those one of those sort of signature 1991 victories where they they didn't have talent on defense, but the defense played hard and, and was really hard to score on. Cowboys were not an explosive offense yet, but they relied on their big three to make plays, and they always sort of just made enough plays to generate 20 something points. And they they you know sort of typical 1991 Cowboys victory but that was the one where they they really started to turn the corner and and uh you know 
got out to like they they were like five and two and they lost a couple games and then they, of course they they ran the table at the end of the year um but i think that was you know that would that a strong argu- argument can be made that's the one that you know they went on the road against a decent packers team and um and sort of really established themselves as a tough team that could win on the road yeah i know that entire year and i i, I can't put my finger on specific moments like the like the aha moment with dak but i know that there were several times during that 91 season where i'm like i think that i think this team is 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 you know, they're, I think they're turning the corner. I think the belief in Jimmy was starting to come, and you can see it. Yeah, there are several yeah. examples throughout that that season. But yeah, I mean, you remember he was a, they, they were a laughing stock in '89, and everyone thought that uh, he was going to be another one of those college coaches who was, uh, you know, not ready for prime time, not not ready, not capable of being, uh, you know, winning on the on the NFL level. And um, you know, there were little inklings in the, in the end of '90. Uh, and then you know they they beat they beat Bill Belichick's Cleveland Browns in Week One in '91, but then they had then they had to play the eventual um, eventual league champion uh, Washington team in the in the second week and and lost a tough one because Emmett Smith got got ill, had a couple tough games, um, beat the beat the 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 Giants who were the, at that time I think one year removed or maybe oh actually they were the NFL, the, the the defending NFL champs. And so there were, there were certainly inklings, but this was, this was like one step along, along that road, important step. But listen, um, before we get, you know, we could talk about the 91 season forever, but let, let's, uh, let's curtail that discussion and, and get our guest in here and see what, uh, see what Justice has to say about the uh, 2022 Green Bay Packers, shall we? Yes, let's do it. It is my succinct pleasure to welcome Dr. Justice Mosqueda who is not only a widely decorated PhD in footballology, but also puts that knowledge to good use as the managing editor at our SB Nation Green Bay Packers sister site, Acme Packing Company, and is, for my money, one of the very, very best follows on this godforsaken platform that is Twitter. Uh, welcome, sir. I'm so glad you can join us. How are you? I'm doing great. I can't complain. Uh, Twitter, on the other hand, not so much. I saw someone impersonating the Pittsburgh Steelers account. It said uh, Kenny Pickett had passed. There's a lot of impersonators out there with a blue check mark. I almost got got by an Adam Schefter uh, earlier today. So we'll see how long this experiment lasts. I, I don't know how much the, the checks are uh, helping out Mr. Elon. Yeah, we got this craziness going around here that's seeing Odell's coming to Dallas. So, I mean, I don't know who's tweeting all that nonsense, but, uh, you know, hopefully that won't last much longer. But so, Justice, I wanted to start off by talking about a good pal, uh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, full disclosure, uh, I've never been a McCarthy guy. You know, I kind of started it a few years ago and, you know, his last years in Green Bay. A lot of it was his in-game decisions. And to be quite honest, I'm, I'm seeing some of that same stuff here in Dallas. So Cowboy fans in general, they're a little divided. And the needle seems to kind of, you know, move depending on whether the Cowboys are winning or not. So as you could imagine, the you know most of us love them right now. But since you've had a front row seat to watch Magic Mike himself, I would like for you to give us an objective assessment of Mr. McCarthy. So can you offer up a short list of some things he does well and also maybe some things that he, you know you don't particularly care for? Yeah, I think the story of McCarthy can't be told without the context of what the league looked like when he came in. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about around, I think it was 2006, I think was the the season he became the head coach of the Packers. Um, People talk about it a lot where, you know, 
he was moving in the shotgun a whole lot faster than a lot of these teams. Remember, 2006, they have stats for for that for like shotgun percentage on like football outsiders and stuff. John Gruden literally did not go in the shotgun for a single snap during that season. Like there were teams that just did not play in the gun at all, and that was one of the big things that McCarthy was able to do to help kind of you know end game Brett early early Aaron Rodgers right. Um, just kind of transitioning all that West Coast stuff into the shotgun. And because all that stuff was based off of footwork. And once you go into the gun, you know, you're cutting two steps out of it or three steps out of it. You know, by the end of it, you know, Rodgers can do um, not even like three steps, but like two steps. It, it, the ball comes out really quick. Um, the problem was by the end of McCarthy in Green Bay. And a lot of it, too, is just he was just around for so long. And when you're around for that long and you don't have multiple Super Bowl, I mean, it's just hard to keep a job. You know what I mean? Like Mike Tomlin is the only guy who's been able to kind of, I mean, he has two rings himself, right? And and people are kind of on his butt. First losing season ever in, in Pittsburgh this year. Um, I think the end, what it ended up being is the offense just kind of got reduced down to just like Aaron Rodgers throwing into the flats, right? And people got frustrated with that. Um, I think they were right in that the team kind of needed a fresh start at quarterback. Uh, I think at the time, Packers fans probably really did not like Mike McCarthy at the time. Um, but now kind of, especially after this year, right? I mean, for the narrative of McCarthy coming back, like there's never been a more welcoming Packers fan base to kind of at least pregame, you know, give him some claps, give him his flowers, all that stuff, than this one because they've gone through some real struggles. And the one thing you could always say about those McCarthy teams at the very least, and I don't know how you guys view him in Dallas because I know, you know, obviously when Dak is hurt, like you, you lose more times than not. And um, that's just kind of how the game is. But when he was in Green Bay, the team at the very least would fight, right? Like especially like 2010 – um, that was a team, you know, they ended up winning the Super Bowl. They were the sixth seed. That team shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Like, it took that Deshaun Jackson return, punt return for a touchdown that year against the New York Giants that people like to bring up, you know, that last-second return um, to even get Green Bay into the playoffs. That team was fighting that entire year, even though they were losing football games. And now you look at this team, and even though LaFleur's won a ton of games, right, and this isn't a knock really on the floor. He's done – a great job as a head coach but when they lose it's like a dispiriting loss like it's like they they took one on the chin and you know usually something happens really early on in the game and then it's like yeah it just spiraled out of control and the team was never really in it um the one thing you could say about those mccarthy teams is they they fought tooth and nail even though you know they, they only won the big one one time so i think packers fans right now are kind of looking at this game and saying like I think they'll be pretty welcoming of McCarthy. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has talked about it a couple of times this week about he's basically extending an olive branch. It seems like he actually still talks to McCarthy um fairly frequently. And he said that, you know, he's talked about his ayahuasca journeys, as he puts it, <laughs> and stuff like that. And he said, you know, the more he does stuff like that, the more he has like gratitude for like what he's gone through and he said, you know, you go to the Super Bowl together, you guys are tied together for forever, right? That's that's 
a forever bond is kind of how he's explained it. So, you know, McCarthy's going to be driving on McCarthy Way, right, on the way to the stadium, you know, street named after him. I think he's probably going to get a warm welcoming from the fans in the pregame. And then once kickoff starts, it's another opponent. But I, I do think he's more appreciative or appreciated now than he was in the past for whatever that's worth. Interesting. So we're hearing a little bit of noise uh, from some uh, from the, from cowboy pundits, but that they're here overhearing Packer fans saying that you know in the season that you've just been talking about that that uh, Sunday is like the Packers Super Bowl, like we got to beat McCarthy and this is our Super Bowl. Is that at all accurate, or is that just stuff that you know that uh, is is making the rounds of of the sort of Cowboys media verse? No, I think it's a huge game. I think it's a game that people underlined, circled, all that stuff uh, highlighted coming into the season, but the the one thing that I think works against it is this Packers team is coming off of five straight losses and you know, this game opened up in the summer, um, with the Packers being four point favorites. It opened up on Sunday at four, moved to four and a half, you know, in favor of the Cowboys and now is it sitting at five. So we're talking about a nine point swing. And mm-hmm. if you look at the total, the total is about a touchdown less than what it started off in the summer too. So that's telling you, we basically expect it to be the same score minus a touchdown from the Packers. So that's kind of the sports books and all that stuff telling you how much the Packers have underperformed this year compared to expectations. So I think that's the tough thing. I, w- I kind of wish the Packers were a little bit better. I talked to RJ about this um, earlier, and he was like, don't tell me that. Like, I don't, I don't want the fun taken out of it that you guys, like, you thought this was going to be a Super Bowl, and now you guys just kind of assume it's going to be a loss. But this team just isn't very good right now, and mm-hmm. they have a ton of injuries. I mean, beyond the guys who are on, on injured reserve, 17 guys today uh, we're recording on a Wednesday, 17 guys on the Packers um, injury report, you know, given designations, 10 of those guys missed practice. Um, one of them was Rashawn Gary, who's going to be put on IR, or who's put on IR today, and that whole defense was basically built around getting one-on-one matchups with those five guys on the line of scrimmage. And if you're down Rashawn Gary and your best pass rusher is Preston Smith, and the guy opposite of him is going to be fifth-round rookie Kingsley and Igbari, mm-hmm. that's that's a significant uh, drop-off. I, I think I think we've seen the best of this defense, even though you know it's been underperforming relative to their talent. I, I think Gary going down is a huge deal. Um, kind of expect the Cowboys to win this. I know I'm supposed to be like the pro Packers guy, but I, I just think the Cowboys are generally a better team right now. So we're going to, we're going to uh, get to, to predictions uh, in, in a minute, but before we do, I want to drill down on some of the things that you were just talking about and uh, that have, have contributed to, as you said, this in some ways, like the seven point drop off in terms of expectations for the, for the Packers. Yeah. But the first one, the most obvious one has to be, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, full, full disclosure here. I'm a Cal grad. I uh, right now live on the East Coast, but at the time I was living in the Bay Area in the in the early mid two thousands, you know, uh, during the Ted Tedford era at, at Cal, um, you know, we've generally been wretched, and that was a, that was a great that was a great era, uh, really fun team. And and for uh, our good friend Dan, who is an Oregon State grad, I will remind everybody that the two thousand four squad that had Rogers, Marshawn Lynch, and JJ Arrington uh, handily beat the OSU Beavers forty nine to seven. But we're, we're moving on. Um, Rodgers was always a kind of like, you know, dance to the beat of his own drum kind of dude. 
you know, but in recent years, and you were just referring to, you know, you were just talking about his, you know, his ayahuasca journey, et cetera. He seems to have become progressively kookier, at least for us outsiders. So um, as someone who's been tracking him much more, much more carefully, um, much more closely, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, both in terms of like his trajectory as a person, but also his on-field performance? Yeah, the the on-field stuff is, so we'll talk about that first. Um, it feels like they're not running the same system this year. and. A lot of that kind of has to do with his thumb. Obviously, he aggravated his thumb in London um, for about a two-week stretch, I would say. They were really trying to avoid going under center. So you saw the offense reduced to a lot of RPOs and stuff um, against, who would that have been? The Jets and, like, Washington, right? Um, They have started to go under it uh, a little bit more. I think this last game, I mean, they were driving the ball down the field. the the one thing that really killed them was uh, basically goal line interceptions or interceptions in general because there was one down the middle of the field. Every single drive against um, last week, every single drive last week crossed into enemy territory. So they were driving the ball other than one kneel down drive at the end of the half. I mean, they got down to the goal line twice and they threw two picks. Um, so I think that's trending back up, you know, with, with the health of his thumb. But he was grabbing on it during the game last week was the first time that he had hadn't missed a practice the entire week since the London game. Um, and he missed practice again on Wednesday, which I, I don't think that means that he's not going to play. He's going to do anything in his power to be able to play these games. Um, but it's just kind of letting you know, like the thumb is kind of taking another step back. So what does that mean going into this game? Are they going to be in the gun and just running RPOs the entire time? Are they actually going to be able to run the offense? Cause one thing that's kind of hurt them too is, an interesting thing, and it's been a topic of discussion for Packers fans, is what do they look at at wide receiver? So you look at guys like uh, Alan Lazard or um, Sammy Watkins or MV. All those guys are big guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Equinemius A. Brown, who's now in Chicago and all that stuff. They're really only looking at guys who are like 305 pounds or 200, 305 pounds. 205 <laughs> that's a big pounds. receiver. Yeah, that's a that's a very big. Well, I mean, they, they targeted David Bakhtiari. <laughs> <laughs> um, 205 pounds. And, and that can be kind of limiting in some ways, right? It hurts your ability to go after guys who have speed. Um, it's questionable when they say things like, yeah, we were in the race for Odell Beckham Jr., but we told him that he was only going to be a third down player for us, right? And it's like, what do you mean he can only play third down for you? And it's because they want to be this, like, run-first, big physical football team. But when Rodgers is hurt and he has to be in the gun, having those big wide receivers like that doesn't really help you at all. And that that's kind of when the offense is sputtering. And they haven't been able to get to an early lead, which has kind of hurt them too. I think the entire team is kind of built to play with the lead and kind of protect the lead. Like, their defense is pretty conservative they play too high they jam up the box and they're just like hey take short little chippy plays or take short little passes which teams will do if they're up and and they've had to learn that the hard way i think they've been better at getting scores up on the board especially early on in the game um in lafleur's previous years um obviously they have a, a scoring problem right now but i think it's been kind of different reasoning game to game be it like Rodgers playing through injury or just like turnovers in the red zone inconsistency. Sometimes they score and the defense just doesn't have a good game. They have, the team hasn't put together 
a full game the entire year. I mean, even against the Chicago Bears, which is their only, I believe their only multiple score uh, win, you know, that second half, the Chicago Bears were running the ball like crazy on them, and, and the mm-hmm. defense wasn't looking good. So they haven't been nearly as consistent on either side of the ball um, as they have, you know, in previous years. As far as Rodgers off-field, I think he just got around too many hippies. I I I, I, I think <laughs> that happened when you go to UC Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, I, I as a West Coaster, right? Like, I've been around these people. Um, I, I once you get into certain cliques, I feel like information travels in a different way. I guess is the best way to say. And when you're like one thing that he would say, like with the whole I'm immunized thing and stuff like that, and all the documents he sent to the NFL, he was he sent uh, he referenced a study in india that ended up just being a big copy paste job that you know they ended up redacting and stuff like that but to this day he still believes the information that was inside of it so it's i don't know i i think a lot of these players are probably getting information from not doctors um (laughs) on some of this stuff his dad uh was a chiropractor so you know you got the whole holistic thing um just kind of in the background like him coming up and all that stuff. So I, it's definitely a dance to be of his own drum type of dude who probably is hanging out with other people who are dancing to the beat of their own drum. And uh, sometimes that, that beat doesn't make music. Or they're dancing to the beat of a, of a drum naked in the mud after, after, <laughs> after smoking a big bowl. Yeah. I want to do, I want to do a little more finger pointing, you know, and I want to, so, I mean, obviously we, Mentioned earlier, you know, Cowboys are have been linked to you know the Odell Beckham sweepstakes, you know, and Cowboy fans are trying to do everything in their power to, to will that into existence. Uh, you know, we traded away Amari Cooper in the off season. You know, the Cowboys' offense is kind of they're a middling offense right now, but as compared to you know where they were the top scoring offense last year, and so you guys lost an important wide receiver too, and Devontae Adams. And sure enough, you guys are struggling to score points after having a top ten offense. Last year, then, of course, everyone is pointing to the loss of Adams as the root cause. So my next question for you is, after three straight 13-win seasons, why have things gone so bad? I mean, is the loss of Adams that detrimental, or are there some other factors going on to us that us casual observers are unaware of? Um, I mean, it's certainly a factor. Uh, you know, week one against the Minnesota Vikings, it immediately was clear that teams would not start would, would not be treating the Packers in the same way, right? Um, the Vikings, like the Packers, big two high team, really against those two high teams, um, what the Packers loved to do was, you know, just isolate uh, Devontae Adams on one side of the formation, have everyone else up, line up on the other side, and then you play games with that poach safety, right, on the, the back side. You got the safety who's over top Devontae Adams, and you have to make a decision of, are you going to, you know, quote unquote double or you know shade the coverage toward him or not and that's kind of how the offense was built well Harrison Smith was that poach safety for the Vikings and he did not care who lined up as an isolated at, at, at the isolated wide receiver for the Packers so they kind of had to learn the hard way there um I think at times it has been the wide receiver talent they certainly have had a lot of drops and stuff like that even though Romeo Dobbs is had about as good of a season as you can ask for a fourth-round rookie wide receiver. Um, I think he's up there uh, in terms of drops for, for wideouts. Christian Watson's had five injuries. 
um, already this year. So that that's another one off the board. Randall Cobb's hurt. Sammy Watkins, him and Rodgers just seem to not have chemistry. The last play of the game last week, Rodgers tried to throw uh, a corner route to him, and he thought he was going to run a fade or something like that. And it's just like the ball just falls innocently to the turf, and you're like, that was it? That's <laughs> that's what we had? So there's, I think to a certain extent, there's a little bit of miscommunication between all of them. Obviously, Rodgers' interceptions right now are very uncharacteristic. Um, he's been really good at protecting the football for most of his career. I think he's not running nearly as much. He did a little bit more this past game because the Lions were playing him in a lot of two man, which, you know, if you guys don't have anyone that can beat main coverage as a wide receiver and all the DBs have their back turned to the quarterback, you're going to have to be able to run the ball a little bit as a quarterback. Um, but prior to that, I think he had two carries that were not kneel downs. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's not like he's been moving around a ton. And I think people are a lot more worried about um, Rodgers' mobility going away than his arm strength. It's not a Carson Palmer or Ben Roethlisberger type of situation as of yet. Um, he's still throwing just some pretty impressive passes down the field, but there's a lot of in-between there. And then the offensive line, too, um, has been kind of a mess. Uh, they've, they've reshuffled a bunch of times. I mean, they're going into games 90 minutes ahead of the game, and they don't know if Zach Tom's going to be playing left tackle or if he's going to be playing left guard because of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins' status. And then the defense has just, in general, been underperforming. I think uh, Devondre Campbell, inside linebacker, who was a first-team All-Pro last year, he's regressed some. Now he's hurt. He's out with a, a, a knee. Who knows what he's going to be like for this game, but he missed last game. Um, Eric Stokes has had a big sophomore slump he's another guy who's gotten banged up darnell savage has just never taken that next step he's always that guy who's like he has all the man coverage talent that you would ever ask for out of a safety like he has that tyron matthew type of man coverage talent but he's just not consistent enough or aggressive enough as a tackler in the open field that you can really tap into that consistently and then their defensive line um outside of kenny clark has really been struggling i mean jaron reed was basically taken off of the trash heap this past offseason. Dean Lowry is a guy that people thought was maybe going to be a cap casualty, and they're playing, you know, 60 70% of snaps on that defensive line right now, and they haven't been able to get pressure at all. So they, they've taken a couple swings and a couple misses in terms of personnel, but overall they've just been a really, really inconsistent team. 
So earlier on when you were talking about um, you know, what's been going on with, with the Packers, you also referenced how many dudes are like on the injury report today. Yeah. Is, as you as you noted, this is Wednesday when we're recording. Um, there were already some cats who were uh, who are going to be out against the Lions, uh, who were injured in pr- prior games. But boy, <laughs> against the Lions, man, the injury tent was stuffed all game long to capacity. I mean, it seemed like just yeah. one dude after after another was was getting, four guys in walking boots and walking crutches. I know. I, yeah, <laughs> at the end at the end of the game, it was basically like uh, you know, it was, it was like an ad for a walking boot sales company. Um, <laughs> So uh, during the game, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, uh, they, Bakhtiari and, Ru- and Runyon, even though they both came back to the game, uh, Eric Stokes, you've mentioned all these. And, of course, as you said, Rashawn Gary, uh, the best pass rusher who left the field and has been put on injured reserve. Um, so I guess any updates on, on, on any of these dudes? And, I mean, you've sort of gestured toward this in an earlier, in an, an earlier comment, but if, if some of those guys can't go, who do you expect will replace them? Yeah, so Rashawn Gary's the big one because he's going to be out. Um, he's on. He got put on injured reserve today. Again, he's going to be replaced by Kingsley and Igbari. The problem is their third pass rusher right now is Jonathan Garvin. Jonathan Garvin is a guy who, before the Lions game, the previous two games, he was a healthy scratch for him. Mm. Um, he was replaced at, by uh, practice squad elevation guys, uh, Ladarius Hamilton and Kobe Jones. And Kobe Jones has been since, repla- since uh, released from the practice squad. So that's kind of how little they thought of Jonathan Garvin. And now he's either going to, I, I would assume it's going to be pretty close to a 50, 50 timeshare between he and, and Nick Barre to replace Rashawn Gary, who is, I don't know if he would have made the pro bowl this year, but he's definitely having the best, you know, season of his career um, is warranting of a big contract moving forward. So I think that's going to really hurt them just because the, the whole defensive structure is kind of built around, getting one-on-ones up front and letting Gary kind of be the guy um, as a pass rusher and letting Kenny Clark be the guy as a run stopper. Um, Aaron Jones, they got some good news on him. I mean, he was a guy who was on a walking boot. Um, I think people kind of were worried that like that was going to be it for him. And then Jones talked about it after the game and he was like, I wanted to go back in. They wouldn't let me. And then the longer I sat on the sideline, the more my ankle ended up getting sore. And then Mm -hmm. he ends up with a boot in the locker room after the game comes out you know he has no um no mri issue no x-ray issue he's at practice today even though he's in a limited capacity so that's a good sign there were reports that he's going to play uh this weekend the staff hasn't committed to that necessarily but they sure have said that it's a possibility i would assume that he does play but i would assume that it's a little bit more of a timeshare between aj Dillon and him um aj Dillon's a pretty good running back and then the whole wide receiver room is is banged up at this point i mean Romeo Dobbs, I would assume um, it was reported that he has a high ankle sprain. He didn't practice today. Um, that's an injury that's put two Packers on injured reserve already this season. There's no way Dobbs plays this week. I don't think Dobbs – I kind of thought Dobbs had a chance to, to be put on IR, but the Packers are at the point now where you can only get pull eight guys off of the injured reserve, so you can't put all these guys on the injured reserve because you're not going to be able to take all of them off. Um, and then Christian Watson – He's dealing with concussion protocol. He left the game last week with basically what was um, a hit over the middle that made him lose his breath. But because he had a concussion the week prior, they didn't want to test him. They said that he didn't have a concussion um, last week, but that they pulled him out as kind of a precautionary measure. And then Sammy Watkins today pops up on the injury report with a knee injury. 
which is a surprise because, again, Sammy Watkins got the last target against the Lions. So the injury must have happened between now and then, or then and now, right? Um, so he wasn't practicing. So it's like, all right, well, who can go? <laughs> who can go? Going to run a lot of three tight end sets. The wide receiver room is, is really banged up right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then offensive line-wise, um, the whole left side, right? So uh, Elton Jenkins is dealing with that knee injury. I would assume that he's going to play. Um, what kept him out of the Buffalo Bills game was a foot injury he got stepped on. Um, David Bakhtiari, I mean, your guess is as good as mine, man. That dude played the first half last week, did not play the second half until the two-minute warning. That's a weird situation. It's Some of it has to be mental. I mean, it has to be at this point where he just doesn't feel like he's going to be right in certain circumstances and stuff like that. Um, John Runyon Jr. left the game. He's the right guard, uh, but then he re-entered. Eric Stokes, their starting cornerback, um, is probably going to be out. I mean, Lafleur has they haven't committed to like what type of how or like really details on the injury, but Stokes was the one that Lafleur was hesitant on saying wasn't a, a season ender. So I'm going to assume Stokes isn't going to play either. So Dobbs, Stokes, Gary, and then. Maybe Bakhtiari. I mean, I can't make heads or tails. The team can't make heads or tails of it on game day. I mean, sometimes they're just like, yep, he can't go today 60 minutes before the game starts. Or, you know, at halftime, they're just like, we have to shut him down. So Bakhtiari's been good when he's been on the field, but availability is always going to be the issue. So I think Russell Douglas is going to play uh, cornerback. He's usually their nickel. He's He's pretty good. He's arguably better than Stokes at his job. And then the Packers picked up Jonathan Abrams, and mm-hmm. last week, defensive coordinator Joe Barry was waxing poetic about, you know, Darnell Savage can play the nickel, right? Um, I think that's kind of interesting because they now do roster six safeties on their team, which seems like a crazy amount. But, like, three of those safeties are basically special teams-only guys that are Basaccia guys, who they're mm-hmm. like, this is what we need to make the special teams unit, not 32nd in the league. In back-to-back years, um, Abrams obviously played for Basaccia in uh, with the Raiders. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of wonder if in this game, I don't know how fast they can get Abrams ready for this game, um, because you know he's only going to be there for two practices before a kickoff. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played a little bit of safety and the team started using Darnell Savage as the nickel instead of Keyshawn Nixon, who's another special teams ace. Um, to kind of free up those bodies so that Russell Douglas can play outside corner for him. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of share the same feeling you had, Justice, with talking with RJ, too. He was he was a little disappointed with us this week that we weren't more amped for this game, too. But, I mean, the, the Packers are just, I mean, they're just really suffering right now with, yeah. with, with health and stuff. But you know what? The Packers have owned the Cowboys in re, you know recent years. They've, they've won the last three, and they've won eight of the last nine, which is kind of you know, it's kind of unsettling to think about that. Now, two of them, of course, were a couple of heartbreaking losses for, for Dallas. Uh, so that's why it's kind of super weird to head into Lambeau and, you know, be five-point favorites. So Cowboy fans are expecting to get this one, so I need to do a hypothetical for you. So I, w- I, I would like for you to explain what would need to happen for the Packers to once again sneak out another victory, and who do you think will need to have a big game? Ooh. I mean, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are the two big ones. Um, we'll see what you know how how many yards Jones is going to be able to put up on the ground with with that you know ankle situation. But 
they've been a very good team running the football this year. Um, no one's really been able to stop them running the football outside of the Lions and goal line when they're throwing six defensive linemen out there and they're saying, you know, hey, throw the ball pass. Um, but the run game has been very good. I think the offensive line, once they reshuffled and guys got quote-unquote healthy, um, at least healthy enough to get the preferred starters out there in the lineup, They've been they've been really good. They run a bunch of pin and pull stuff. I know I know the Dallas defense is very 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 good. And Micah Parsons, good lord, where'd you guys find that guy? Can you can you clone him? Can you send one to Green Bay? Because that we're not sharing. Obviously. Yeah, I I think uh, what is it? Micah said uh, he wants to exchange jerseys with Rogers and he doesn't want to be chipped. And Rogers was like, I'll exchange jerseys with you, but I don't know about the second part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think that's the path on the offensive side of the ball. It's, we got to be able to run the football against this team. Um, this is a Dallas defense that's just been so good under, uh, Dan Quinn. And then on the other side, they got to be able to get turnovers. Um, that's one thing that this Packers defense hasn't been able to do. They're pretty average in terms of, um, the passing stats. And a lot of that is honestly, just because of broken coverages i think their talent is better than kind of what they put up statistically but now with gary out i mean you got to be able to figure out how how to play coverage because you're not going to be getting the same type of pressure that you were getting and then in the run game that's what's really been killing them is is they're one of the worst run defenses in the league because of the lack of bodies at that three four dn spot and then savage playing true safety um so if they can make a change there and maybe get abram in on on some of those like base defense looks i think that would go a long way but you got to be able to get turnovers they haven't been able to do that this year and then you got to be able to commit to run the ball I, I think that's the only way that they can really come out and win and it'll look ugly but a win is a win is a win i mean this team isn't going to be a high-flying offense that's just not who they are this year every win is beautiful so let me let me actually follow up on that because um uh, the last time the Cowboys played, they just, obviously they're coming off a bye week, but the last time they played it was against the Bears. The Cowboys had a comfortable lead for the majority of that game, but the Bears kept running and the, they and they just stuck. They stuck to the running yeah. game and uh, and were really successful and racked up like almost 250 yards of. of uh, yeah, we got one running. of those from the Bears too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so when you were talking about that, that, how the Bears kept running the second half, I was like, oh, that sounds. I'm I'm all too familiar with how frustrating that can be as a fan, as watching them continue to run. So I guess my question for you is, if that's the key to victory, does the does the Packers offensive brain trust have the sort of psychological wherewithal to stick to the run game down 14 or more? Or like to say so. down double digits in general? I don't think so. I mean, Rodgers, so many times he's throwing these RPOs that are kind of covered, and then they ask about him after the game, and he's like, ah, I wanted to get Sammy Watkins going. I wanted to get Randall Cobb going. I wanted to get whoever going and it's like you just got to be really disciplined with this team right now this team isn't good enough to be able to just freelance and just say hey we want to get this guy the ball unless that guy is Aaron Jones I mean he's the offense right now he is used the franchise so <laughs> Rodgers it's been and it is weird because the team does unfortunately I think pass a little bit too much in those type of situations just because of the nature of the RPOs or the package plays where it's just like access. We're just grabbing the ball, throwing it right now um, type of plays. But Rodgers, it's almost been a full year now since Rodgers has had a 300-yard passing game. So Mm -hmm. it's not like they've been very successful throwing the ball either. 
which has kind of killed me. All right. All that said, uh, you said you where you might be leaning in terms of final outcome, but let's let's put it on let's put it out on tape. Uh, what's the what's your final prediction? Who wins? Uh, why do they win? And you know what's your final score? Give me Dallas like twenty eight fourteen. I think their passing game is just better um, from an offensive perspective, and then defensively, it, it feels like night and day, right? Just in terms of maybe not even necessarily from a talent perspective, but at least from a coaching perspective. I mean, Dan Quinn might play himself into another head coaching job with the way that he's been having these Cowboys playing so well on the defensive side. And then the Packers, everyone's looking around and being like, we really hired Joe Barry. We mm -hmm. really hired the defensive coordinator from the 0-16 Detroit Lions to, to run this team. I mean, he's got an average production at best out of the second highest paid uh, defensive unit in football. So. I think that's a big one, plus the fact that these injuries are – the injuries at wide receiver are starting to multiply to the point that it's, like, a, a massive problem. It's almost like – remember, like, during some of these COVID games where it's, like, five guys at the same position would go down and practice squatters are having to start games? It's almost to that point at wide receiver just because of injury. Mm -hmm. And then you're having Stokes go off. That's a big deal. Rashawn Gary is – I think was the best player on the team either side of the ball outside of Aaron Jones this year. So that's a massive that's a massive loss. And then just question mark, question mark, question mark at David Bakhtiari. I was jealous of you guys when I looked at the injury report today. I was like, one guy missed practice? You only have one starter limited? Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. And we got one guy out for most of the year in, in our left tackle, Tyron Smith. Mm -hmm. But other than, enough, obviously Dak was out for a few games. So we, we, had, we had some missed games by really, really key players. But um, – but yeah, they've been they've been pretty healthy. And frankly, that's one of the things that McCarthy seems to have done really, really well uh, since he's come to Dallas is manage, uh, just manage his players and in, in, in a way to keep them healthy, and especially in a way to keep them healthy into into week seventeen. You know, he he's done a really nice job of guiding his team to health at the latter stages of the year. Dan, what do you got as a final score? You know, initially I was thinking this was going to be a pretty good defensive battle. It wasn't going to see a lot of scoring, but I think the Cowboys are going to keep get, keep get their offense rolling. I think they're, they're gradually starting to build something here, and I, I, I think that there will be some points scored. So I think they will also see a defensive special team score from the Cowboys, too. I do struggle to see where Green Bay is going to you know, get their offense from, so I have it. The Cowboys are going to win convincingly. Uh, it, it'll be close early, but I think it'll be I got them winning 30-12. to 12. Interesting. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, we, we might have thought similarly going into the Bears game, you know, and the Bears were able to, to generate offense. I think if the Packers can run and can stick with the run, if, if, if they have the they have the sort of mental fortitude to stick with the run into the third and fourth quarter, if they are down double digits, it's going to continue to stay close. I don't know. Justice, you tell me, is this the kind of thing where this team's got to back up against the wall and we're going to see potentially the best performance of the year? Do they have that in them? Do they even have the horses? Does it matter? Is it one of those things where like they have certain units that are just completely compromised and, and they can't compete in those areas of the, of the, of the game? I think I if think, that's, if that's we'll true, it could that. be, a, it could be a blowout, but I think if, if, if this team, it's a proud team, you know, and they're going to, they're at home and it's going to be a final stand, you know? And so I think that, uh, I think it, I think the Cowboys win, but I, you know, I think it's something like, Packers are going to score more than we think, and it's going to be something like, let's say, 
I, the the Packers were talking about that going into the Bills game, and then they ended up losing to the Bills, and then the next week, very next week, they lost to the team with the worst record in football. Mm-hmm. So, I I feel like that last stand. You think it already come, came and went? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think yeah. it came and went, and we're we're on the other side now. The other thing, I want to mention two more things, um, before we get done with this, because I, I I really I think these points are important. Um, first of all, an injury I didn't get to, Devondre Campbell. Who is their yeah. signal? Their their play caller on the defensive side, um, their inside linebacker. He missed last week with a knee injury. He said on Monday, nothing's torn in his knee. There's no structural damage or anything like that. Um, he still wasn't on practice at practice on Wednesday, so that's a red flag for me because I I thought he was at least going to be the way that he was talking about it, at least be limited on 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 Wednesday. Um, and uh, Chris Barnes, the Packers had this weird thing going on where Chris Barnes got pulled off of. The injured reserve last week, um, he, he was out for a high ankle sprain. Um, he The starter opposite of uh, first-round rookie Quay Walker was actually Isaiah McDuffie, but he got pulled like three plays into the game and got subbed out for Chris Barnes, who was their starter last year. Chris Barnes left with a concussion. Now he's in concussion protocol. So now they're out two inside linebackers, and the guy mm. that they pulled three plays into last week is potentially going to be the starter opposite of Quay Walker, who – is going to have to call plays, you know, as as a rookie again. Um, and then the last thing is, everyone talks about McCarthy coming back to Green Bay. The one talking point that seems to be like really overlooked is uh, Dan Quinn and, and Matt Lafleur. They were together in in Atlanta and stuff. That's a good and, point. Yeah, you know, they're going to be playing against each other. The Packers also um, really have just a hell stretch in terms of uh, their it, 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 about rest, like relative rest, right? So. The Cowboys are coming to into this off of a bye. The Packers are coming out of this going into Thursday night football, not just against anyone, but against Mike Vrabel, Matt LaFleur's other former head coach at the NFL level. So it's going to be a really uh, tough physical team to play on a Thursday, man. Yeah. So this Brutal. is, they, they went really light in practice on Wednesday, I guess it's a, you know, kind of like a mental day. Um, which maybe that's why they were more conservative with some of these injury report listings and stuff like that. But the fact that they have 17 guys up on the report, I mean, even Mason Crosby, I guess, is dealing with something. And they brought in two uh, kickers on Tuesday. They didn't sign either one of them, so I assume he's going to play. But it's just all over the board, man. And these guys are getting hurt even when it's not in games at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, and NFL season is a very delicate beast, and it, and it's a beast yeah. that, it can go, it can, you know, it, it gets one injured leg and that's the end, man. It just, it, everything just spirals. All the rest of it just falls apart. Well, listen, Justice, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Before you head out, tell the people where they can find your fine, fine work. Yeah. Catch me on uh, Acme Packing Company. Um, we'll have all the injury reports and stuff like that. If you Cowboys fans want to check in on kind of like what we're thinking is going to happen throughout the week. Um you know, we're going to do our own preview pod and stuff like that. If you guys want to listen to that, you know, just type in Acme Packing um, Company into wherever you get your podcast. You'll be able to find that. Uh, I do the SB Nation NFL show with guys like, you know, RJ Ochoa. You guys are very familiar with him. Um, talking about the NFL on a national level. And then uh, you usually I tweet out my stuff on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Um, that's pretty much where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks so much. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, we'll try. (laughs) Thank you, Justice.
Well, that was fun. Uh, I haven't had a chance to, to uh, you know, break bread with Justice before, but it was nice to have an opportunity to, to, to talk football with him. Um, I've always sort of wanted to. And like I said, you know, I really enjoy his takes on Twitter. And so having a chance to, to do that in person was pretty great. Yeah. You know, I, one thing, too, is, you know, he mentioned a little bit, we didn't really talk about it being, you know, the, like the McCarthy revenge game and, and our, or, or, or like talk about the, the Cowboys, you know, like bulletin board material, like to go out there and win one for McCarthy, which a lot of people are building that up. Personally, I don't really believe in that kind of stuff, Rabs. But I, but I will say this, and this is one of the reasons why I'm, my prediction was so Cowboys heavy, is what I do believe in. I believe in the focus of the team, and I think this defense is really mm-hmm. focused. And and that's where it. I'm not. You know what? If this is Aaron Rodgers coming out, if he is able to pull out a miracle, that's fine. But I just don't think it's going to work this time around because I, I I think this Cowboys defense is legit. So I I guess this, this it's really weird to not really be worried about the Packers. Um, this week, but it's come from the confidence that this defense has given me over the first half of the season. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one other thing. You know, you've mentioned that the that the uh, that the Packers have won eight out of nine. Um, I think I think that the the Cowboys have some some revenge in store, right? They have some ghosts they need to to kind of uh, you know wreak some vengeance on. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if I mean you know I I think that. McCarthy certainly would like to have a convincing victory, but I also think that the Cowboys are, are really going to want to, um, if they have an opportunity, I think they're going to want to kind of pile it on a little bit because they want to get, they want to get back. Just like, just like the Packers did when they finally beat the Cowboys in 97, they just let them have it and and ran up the score. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens, but listen, before, before we head out, I would do want to, um, I do want to kind of just get your get your take on um, the big news story that's been circulating during this otherwise kind of news deprived bye week, and that of course is the Cowboys interested in, in Odell Beckham Jr. Where, where do you stand on this? I stand as far as away as possible from it. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, let me ask you this: What's the likelihood, in your estimation, that he ends up wearing the star this year? Slim. If you had to say like on a, a percentage basis, what would you what would you estimate it? Twelve. Twelve percent. Yeah. See, I agree, and it's interesting because it feels like you know the, the talk is, oh my gosh, the, the the players are 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 being so clear and they're recruiting, and you know because of course there was a media session you know in the Cowboys locker room on Wednesday or maybe it's on Tuesday. And, uh, and so, you know, of course the, they're asking Dak and they're asking uh, Micah Parsons and they're asking Zeke, you know, do you want Odell Beckham Jr. here? Well, first of all, what are they supposed to say? No, I don't want him here. Um, Second of all, athletes value athleticism. They want another athlete in here. They'd love to have him here. They don't care about the numbers. They don't care about, you know, touches. They don't care about any of that kind of stuff. Really. They just want another Notice they didn't ask any of the receivers about whether they want OBJ there. And the other thing is, the reason they're saying that, they're not volunteering this information freely. They're saying that because the press is asking every single guy, how would you feel about OBJ coming to the Cowboys? And the reason the press is asking every single guy there is because Jerry Jones made a comment about it. And the reason Jerry Jones made a comment about it is because he's allowed to make a comment about it because this dude's a street free agent. Doesn't, doesn't his rights don't uh, aren't owned by any other team. If they were owned by another team, he would, as he has to 
legally uh, be a lot more cagey and say, oh, we can't really talk about him, but we've always had a lot of respect for him. That he would give some kind of cagey answer that would that would not induce the press to go into some kind of lather and begin to ask every single person who's wearing Cowboys gear in the locker room if they want OBJ. So everyone's trying to say, oh, this the team is the team is out there trying to sell him on it, and I'm like. They're just being asked about it by a press corps who has nothing else to write about during a bye week um, other than perhaps, you know, McCarthy's return to Green Bay. But there, there's a lot of the shine has been taken off that for all the reasons we've just been talking about. Right. And so um, the, the only reason this, this is happening at all is because uh, it's, it's a bye week and they asked Jerry Jones a question and Jerry Jones didn't have to put the same filter on that he would have if OBJ was a, a sort of you know free agent with another team. You're absolutely right, Rabs. I mean, this and I honestly don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't. I don't. And here's the other thing: is the is the dude even any good anymore? You know, like like the other thing is fans and Cowboy fans are as guilty of this, if not more so than anybody else. Um, they 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 get all up in arms about a dude who was at the top of the league five years ago. Is it? But I don't listen. If OBJ was still that player, he would have been signed a long time ago, even if he had an injury, because everybody would be would be willing to to try to get him on a multi year deal. Would be willing to to eat, eat the other weeks of the contract to get to get prime, you know, wide receiver play toward the end of the season. He's a cog piece now. I don't know that he's you know anywhere near as as athletic or explosive as he used to be i mean if they sign him and he can provide something to the offense and provide you know provide an element i'm okay with it but like i really don't believe that's going to happen and i think i think it's it's just so ridiculous yeah well you're preaching to the choir my, my man because as i often do with you when i go on these rants my friend yeah i mean and the thing too and you're absolutely right this and I think it's important for Cowboy fans to to understand what you just said. This isn't anything different. This the reason why the Cowboy players are saying that is because they're being asked. This isn't they're not again, and they're being badgered. Yeah, and and this is not they have not taken some special interest in this one player. And 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 the, I mean, if you if you look at Micah Parsons, of course, Micah Parsons tweeted about him. Okay, and everyone gets like excited about that it's like when does that happen well i'll tell you when it happened it happened with von miller it happened with bobby wagner i mean he did the same thing did we sign yeah. those guys no we did not so i mean it's it's a whole lot of nothing is what it is and and the main point is what you asked about is this guy even any good and if you look at recent history it's telling you that he's he's not and he's not anything more than what you just said he's just a complimentary piece he's he's not going to be a game changer and if you look at the Cowboys and their great offensive line, you know, run blocking that they do, who would even want to come in and shake all this up? And who wants to have Dak throwing a bunch of times? I mean, this is, does that appeal to you? So I think people are just, they just get enamored by things. You know, the Rams did it last year. So it's like, why can't we did it? And look, I just wish people would stop with this. We are different. It's, I, I understand you want to make the team as best, better if you can. I don't think, a player like Odell Beckham is is the answer. I certainly don't think he's the answer if if he's going to be getting somewhere towards you know a ten million per year average. I'm just I want no part of that. I, there's so many things I'd rather do with, with those kind of resources. So yeah, I'm just I'm so past it. I mean I can't wait for it to be over with. I hope he goes sign somewhere that where we don't have to deal with him though. I don't I just don't want to have to listen to it and how bad the Cowboys whiffed on on when they when they don't get him because he's not coming, Rabs. 
So let me ask you this. Would it change your opinion if you knew that Michael Gallup wasn't going to get any better this year? Well, no, it, it would because here's this, that's the thing is we don't even my expectations of Beckham what we could get from him down the stretch is been diminished by where Michael Gallup's at. So I if I have reser- apprehensions about Michael Gallup. Then what's it going to be? What are they going to be when it when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr.? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. My, to me, I'm more concerned about like what can we get from when um, we get Simi Fihoko back and we get you know no, we get Noah Brown back and we get uh, you know is Jalen Tolbert going to start to show something towards the end of the season? Will they involve Kevontae Turpin a little bit more? That's the question. Both yeah. like Brandon Smith. I mean, you can just go down and on and on. I mean, there's Dennis Houston. He's still on the practice squad. There's there's still other places that you can supplement some value in the receiving game without having to bring in an Odell Beckham. And I think if you look at how the Cowboys run their offense and how much how how well they have ran 13 personnel and how they've been putting their quarterback in very good situations, this is what I want to see. I do not want to see three wide receivers. I mean, I don't want to spend 10, $10 million per year on just in case Michael Gallup goes down or somebody goes down. What is it? You don't practice what ifs, you know, or you don't plan for it's, I don't want to, I don't want any of that. It's just, to me, mm-hmm. it's just, it's Cowboy fans. They're doing what Jerry Jones used to do. They, they get, you think you're one player away and you go out there and you, and you make bad decisions. And that's not what, that's not how you be, build a winning team. You build a winning team by, by having guys playing for each other and having all this cohesiveness that they got going on here. And, I just no, I just don't. We don't need. We don't. I know that people say he's he's grown up, he's matured because he's. Don't get me. I mean, we've we've seen this guy for a lot playing with the Giants. I mean, mm-hmm. he's 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 been just a really really tough to deal with as far as like all his antics and stuff that he does. It's like who who would really want that on their team? But I know people say he's different now. But honestly, you know, he I I think he could still be a distraction if you know if, if adver, um, adversity strikes. When he realizes that he's not getting, you know, twenty, twenty percent plus of the snaps. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, to me, I just, I just don't want any part of it. I, I guess the only thing that would change my mind is if I, if, if I w- could be convinced that he still had like a kind of uh, extra gear over the top, because I think that the Cowboys' offense is a slow offense. And they need a speed element. That's the one thing that I would welcome into the offense is someone who's, who's got a kind of like terrifying explosiveness, a, you know, a, a prime Deshaun Jackson kind of, kind of a player. I mean, obviously you're not going to get that unless you pay top dollar, but, um, but even if, even, even if you have the threat of that, so if he can provide the threat of that, I might be interested, but again, and then, then it's going to have to be at, at, at the right price because, yeah, I, I think you're, you're right. Like the the way the Cowboys are built, the way the Cowboys are structured from a personnel um, standpoint, the way that the Cowboys are structured in terms of their preferred personnel groups and the ones that the ones that have been the most successful, um, they don't need another wide receiver. They don't, and and, and you're exactly right too. Because I don't think he, I don't think he can provide that. I mean, he's especially come off that second ACL tear too. I think what mm-hmm. he can provide is another you know, a uh, possession receiver. He'll make these great catches that when Dak is a little off target with his throws, he'll snatch those right up. He'll make those back sh- shoulder passes. He'll be a red, red zone target. He can do those things. But you know what? Who else can do that? Michael Gallup can do that. You know, I don't he, I don't think he adds anything new to the offense. I, 
And it, what else he can't do is he can't block as effectively as Noah Brown. So I just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really think, I think there is a range of outcomes where he can better the team. I just think it's a small amount compared to overall. And this is why I just don't, I don't know. I don't think yeah. I think he's the answer. And no, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think when 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 fans want to bring someone like that on, they think back to the great catch he made against you know against the Cowboys on on that that primetime game um, in in Giant Stadium, you know, where he made the great catch in the end zone in 2016 when he ha- had the long the long I think catch and run that beat the Cowboys 10 to seven. You know, he he's done things like that, and so the Cowboys basically want to feel what it feels like to have that but that was six to eight years ago you know that was a different player that was a player who was uh much much more athletic much much more sudden uh and i don't i don't know that he's that guy anymore um if you just look at history the last three or four years we're not talking about a couple years removed we're talking about three or four years his drop off is it's right there for you yeah. to see i mean yep. and you can blame it on the browns all you want but i mean he he was averaging 38 yards per game with Cleveland when he went to L.A. in the regular season, also 38 yards. I mean, he did have a good playoff season, and that's what people are so fixed on is that. That's all they see. Like, mm-hmm. like that's what we're going to get. I mean, no, I don't think that. I mean, that's just that's absurd to to have those type of expectations. So, And we're not even a pass. You know, we're not, we're not like we don't have Stafford where we got to – Chuck it up to, to to get our offense going. That's that's not our team. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we I don't even think that is the ceiling for. I think the ceiling's even lower than that. So, yeah, I don't know. I just think that people have greater expectations, and that's just. Uh, well, we've we've talked about this many times. When it comes to when it comes to free agent acquisitions, people want to have a feeling. They don't want to think about logically how, how does the team win, how does this guy win, and do those two things coalesce. They want they want the feeling, and they don't they don't think about any of the other stuff. And then they just get pissed off when it doesn't work because um, they don't call it. But but I felt good when they when they when they acquired him. Why isn't it working? Because that's not it doesn't. Strangely enough, football success does not cohere to your feelings when uh, they acquire the player. Anyway, so. Once again, we are on the same page, my friend. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up again, man. I hope that's the last time that I have to talk about the OBJ. Yeah. But so we'll t- we'll talk about it again next. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of last time, that is all we have for our show today. Please, if you haven't yet, do subscribe to the Logging the Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, Cowboys Hot Topics, favorite favorite matchups, or what is your favorite comedy, laugh out loud comedy, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFandom24. And Rabs is at Rebel Rouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have The World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. You can still get an A in this class if you put away your phones and start taking notes. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 